0: Welcome back, Literary Slummers. I felt like that was a weird run-in because I was <laughs> really going to do a spooky one. voice, but then I bailed halfway through, so it just became like a ramp. <laughs> anyway, this is the podcast where- You really hit that W. <laughs> this is the podcast where we read books outside of our comfort zones. I'm Em. And
1: I'm Anna. This week on Aware, we are reading Oh yeah, the- I didn't say
0: the name of the podcast, did I?
1: <laughs> oh, well, that's who we are. You guys know. You've been here. This is a episode 155 ish
0: something like that yeah yeah uh
1: if you're if this is your first time listening welcome hello <laughs> what a grand introduction to us as individuals um this week we are reading the third book in m's unit on psychological horrors the novel i found i was lo- You again m said things that scare her are things that walk towards you slowly mm-hmm. and could not find the book equivalent of that based on my few quick Google searches. So I mean, you succeeded I'd... though. Oh, yeah, surprisingly, um, this this had surprise stalking in it. Slow yeah. stalking. Um, we read the Twisted Ones by T. Kingfisher. What did you think about this
0: book, M? This book was so spooky. It was real creepy. This really <laughs> spooked me, you guys. And I read this like yes. late at night because um, oh, I wanted no. to give it the best chance possible. And I got to that point. Um, I don't know if anybody else experiences this, if you're like watching a scary movie or reading a scary book, and you get to the point where you're like, I know this area is safe, but I do not know any other areas of my house are safe, because I can't see them currently. So I'm right. just going yes. to stay here, and I will not leave. Absolutely. Um, because the monsters are anywhere else. <laughs> that is not <laughs> the area I can see. So I guess I'll stay here and not move.
1: Busy, i guess yes so it was
0: <laughs> <laughs> it was a rough uh getting to bed last night oh no <laughs> but we did it and we're here um it was very scary it happened to like hit a lot of the things that i particularly find scary like yeah. um things walking around slowly at you mm-hmm. uh Things that, like, when you look away, they turn into something else, or they move, and then you look back, and they're somewhere else. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. Baby reborn. (laughs) Pregnancies. uh Oh, I was thinking (laughs) about those gross dolls. Both, yes. I shouldn't say gross, because probably some
1: people find those comforting and some way
0: oh I'm sure I mean like definitely I can see how they would be therapeutic but I also think that even those who love them might agree that a room full of them in your dead grandmother's house is too much
1: yes 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 and forced pregnancy as well
0: forced pregnancy and I find uh the the concept of hoarding something that is very not spooky exactly but troubling because like I have some of that tendency so I'm always like a little bit like worried about it um yeah so this was a lot of like it seemed very targeted to me uh so good job (laughs) excellent
1: yes I saw um I was like okay in the woods something stalking in the woods hopefully Mm -hmm. and then the hoarding thing I was like having too much of something is is scary like in a horror context if you are in a house that's just full of garbage
0: well it's claustrophobia also right yes that too because it's like if there's so much garbage there's no room for you
1: Mm -hmm. and in the woods of north carolina Mm -hmm. totally secluded no thank you
0: north carolina terrifying
1: (laughs) the state so scary (laughs) lived there for five years i don't know how i'm normal and functioning today this is a lie i love north carolina me too (laughs) back in a heartbeat (laughs) um this book also is very michael has a very specific fear of we are, we're, in the, we're going to be in the process of buying a home soon, and mm. one of our arguments is whether or not we should have a ranch style or not. I like ranch. Michael wants multiple floors. Reasoning, because he doesn't want to look out his bedroom window one day and see a deer looking
0: back at him. <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay. Don't read this book then. Has he considered blinds?
1: yeah yeah mhm. fully blinds, <laughs> keeping them closed, having curtains on top of that. all viable options, but somehow the deer will will phase through the window just enough for Michael <laughs> to see it, and our lives will be ruined by that one deer,
0: yeah, don't let him read this book cause that'll so don't just read this book really reinforce the uh fear yeah, he's maybe not there. listen
1: to this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I was also scared of this book. I will say, I think. This was definitely, like, psychological horror, but
0: then it definitely tripped into full-on horror a little bit. Kind of fulfills the prompt. (laughs) It seemed like the first 25% or so was psychological horror. Um, Mm -hmm. But then, like, it gets straight paranormal fairly quickly. Uh, And I think that paranormal kind of precludes it from really being psychological horror. Like, I think you could maybe argue it's, like, paranormal horror with psychological elements.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: But I don't think it is a psychological horror book at the end of the day.
1: Yeah. I think wh- – and it's kind of hard. It's kind of hard to judge just from reading off a synopsis. But, like – Sure. I think I think once we started introducing more people into mm-hmm. – letting them experience the horror as well, that was the point where I was like, okay, this isn't all in her mind anymore. And right. It's not about the claustrophobia. It's not about the – you know, being isolated in the woods or whatever. This is actually, like, something multiple people are experiencing. So – yeah, I was like maybe like halfway. I gave it till about halfway
0: when Foxy and Tomas mm-hmm. and Skip started spending the night, and then I was like, okay, wow. Well, Which part did you find scarier? The psychological horror stuff or the paranormal horror stuff?
1: Um, I think for me, the scarier parts were that actual paranormal mm. because I think the the forced pregnancy stuff is scarier to me than the um than the limp deer running around in the woods. I can look inside your window.
0: <laughs> the limp deer wasn't that scary. Well, it was it was pretty scary. But like yeah. the, I was. I'm think, not saying it's not scary. Right, but right, right. Yeah, I think that like. I thought the psychological horror stuff was going to be scarier because once it did start becoming paranormal, I was like, oh, this isn't scary anymore. But then, yeah, like the last bit where they kind of cross over for the last time, I was like, oh, no, this is really fucking freaky. Yeah. I did find the psychological stuff, especially the... um, the fucking phrase, man, that was scary. Because it would work into her narration. Oh
1: yeah, the twisted yeah. one. I was like,
0: okay, I don't I don't enjoy it. I don't I did not like that repetition
1: at all. It's like as soon as it started, I was like, come on, no. No, no don't do no this more to twisted me. Ones. Like, I thought I thought this book did a lot of really interesting stuff with with the narrator's like interior monologue because we mm-hmm. get we get like the intrusive thoughts of like the twisted ones and the sticks and stones, sticks and stones. And then we also get like Later parts, we're reading a manuscript and then you also get her like interior interjecting as like an editor and being like, mm-hmm. OK, like <laughs> and that's like what, she's an editor. So she's reading this manuscript and she's like, these are the things that don't make sense or that I would change or like this is how I'm interpreting it. So
0: and it's like a manuscript of a book that the guy who's writing the manuscript is trying to remember because he doesn't have access to the book anymore. Yes. So then there's like that layer of metatextuality, too, where it's like he's. Inserting his own opinions about stuff and like, oh well, I learned later that this was this, and like, I can't remember if this was this, you know, like that sort of thing. So it is a very uh, meta lit nerd sort of book in that way, where it is a lot of uh, uh, text on text on text, uh, which you know we like on this podcast.
1: <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. I also so that the the green book that the that is referenced in this book is actually based off of a real horror short story called the white people by Arthur mansion and that the part where so the main the green book is is what that story is and so if you've read that short story then you kind of know what the horror element of this is going to be but um the author had written a note in the back of the copy that I had and she said that like she um she read that short story and then like went back later and tried to write down as much of it as she could from memory oh. without referring back to it for her first draft and then kind of like going back and filling in details. So it is a little bit um like authentic to yeah, that's totally cool. trying to memorize that would be like, so yeah. I enjoyed that. Yeah, yeah. And it was a very creepy sounding book. Uh Might mm. read, read it. I don't know.
0: I would. Yeah, I'd definitely go check that out just to compare, you know, see what, mm-hmm. uh what, translated and what didn't Mm -hmm. but uh speaking of books that we would read
1: (laughs) yeah that is a good one yeah (laughs) good segue yeah what other books have you been reading I read uh so I didn't read a horror book I read an MLM book (laughs) nice (laughs) because I was like this is scary need something (laughs) something not scary um so for our other unit I read Winter's Orbit by Everina Maxwell Mm-mm. which is, I thought, for some reason, I know this and, like, The Love Hypothesis, which is definitely Reylo fic, came out this year. Yes. Um, I thought this was also Star Wars fanfic, but it is ju- it is an original fiction that was posted on AO3. I see. So it does kind of read a little bit fanfiction-y at times. Mm. Um, I'm here for. You know I love fanfiction tropes. But this is an MLM romance where a um, two... Two rulers, I guess, are having to uh, have an arranged marriage in order for a treaty to go through. Already down. <laughs> um, but the one, the person from the other planet, the Thea, which is like the not as not as politically powerful planet, um, was already married to someone on this new pl- on this current planet. This is hard to talk about without. I don't want to like get into all the plot. Anyway, there. Are- <laughs> <laughs> Okay, male lead A was married to male lead B's cousin, but then male lead B's cousin died um, suddenly, and now male leads are having to marry each other. And so one is, like, trying to be very aware of, like, oh, he's mourning, I don't want to, like, force myself on him, but I want him to know that, like, I'm supportive of him, blah, 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 blah. And the other one is, like, um i'm here as just like a goodwill sort of politician like not even a politician don't involve me with your politics i'm just here as like um someone to represent this treaty i want to do like he's very self-conscious and like always making sure that he is being helpful and and there's there's spoilery stuff that i won't go into it was very good i enjoyed it immensely um and written by a queer author so love to see that yes
0: it was good how about you? Um, I did read a couple, kind of rounding out my, my. I think, probably for the year, spooky books. I think I'm probably taking a break for a while. Um, well, that's not true because I did just download another T. Kingfisher book, which is also scary. The Hollow Places? Yeah, The Hollow Places. Yeah. but That's her second book. Yeah, I've got that on my Kindle right now. So after I mm-hmm. finish that, then I'm probably going to be done with scary books for a while. Um, but I did read... Uh, another Cassandra Kaw book, uh, or novella, I think, um, which is part of the Lovecraft without Lovecraft movement, um, okay, which is like yeah. Lovecraftian horror that's not racist, basically, yeah, it's kind I of the, the vibe, um, which is called Hammers on Bone, so that one was pretty good. Um, I'm also reading another Stephen Graham Jones book called The Last Final Girl, which is uh, very different than um, The Only Good Indians in that it's a lot more um, stylized I think like it's written kind of like a movie script sort of so far Um, but I'm liking it so far and then I also read A Small Charred Face by Kazuki Sakuraba that sounds scary Uh, it wasn't like at all Uh, it was not even a little bit scary but it was still good Uh, it was like about these um, creatures called bamboo which are those
1: are plants.
0: Yes, they are plants, but they're also <laughs> a creature in this book um, that are kind of like, I, I don't want to be reductive about it, but like kind of like Chinese vampires, essentially, is kind of the vibe. Okay. And this like family of bamboo that uh, rescue this human boy. Um, and it's told in like three parts. There's like three different stories. And the first one is about like this human child from like a really bad situation. Um, and then it kind of like spirals from there. The first two parts I was like, yeah, this is pretty good. I really, really liked the third part. But it was it was not scary, but it was definitely interesting and worth a read, I think. That sounds
1: good to me. <laughs> <laughs> you had me at bamboo.
0: Yeah. I mean, who doesn't love bamboo? <laughs>
1: awesome so this book um the twisted ones that we read mm-hmm. again with horror i wish, i feel like you gotta give like some content warnings up front yeah uh, we've talked about a lot of them though already but um animal gore
0: mm, dolls, pregnancies, pregnancies miscarriages yeah. um, um
1: having your dead body turned into an effigy <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> um and and, and, and mind I think, control sort of i don't know if that yeah, would be really triggering for like anyone but you know
1: maybe descent into i don't know just like being being trapped in the in the in this narrative i guess i don't mm. know it's kind of claustrophobia hoarding like you know all that kind of stuff we've talked about that but just so you're aware maybe not the book for you um but overall very spooky if you're into that sort of read so let's start talking about it i guess sorry let's. if we if i if i railroad you through this one i have like f- almost five pages of notes so
0: and my input is probably gonna be wow that was really spooky wasn't it? <laughs> that, part, that part was scary <laughs> you remember that scary part
1: <laughs> so let's do it my favorite part was how i was scared here
0: <laughs> oh my god i would go with your baby
1: wrapped in my blanket, trying not to be scared <laughs> so here's a summary mouse whose real name is melissa is a 30 something freelance editor It has a wonderful, beautiful coon hound named Bongo, named after an antelope, not the drum.
0: Very specific about that.
1: We'll say up front, dog does not die. The book also says this up front, nothing bad happens to the dog.
0: Yeah, it was very Rebecca in that manner in which it was like, me and Mr. What's-His-Face are both still alive. So it was like, you know that they're not going to die. At some point, though, you were probably close to dying yeah but I was like kind of like does that break the tension here and I think Mm. this book did a really good job of not doing that because there was a lot of like other really horrific shit that happened (laughs) yes
1: yeah I agree um and I think too like there's a lot of humor in this book as well Mm. but I don't think that takes away from the horror either no it it is more of like a reprieve
0: (laughs) yes yes yes
1: um so mouse's grandma dies and her dad asked her to go clean out grandma's house grandma was a hoarder and no one in the family knew this really until she died or had to be removed from her home to go to a nursing home she'd kept it under wraps um and she was also an extremely mean person that mouse had no relationship whatsoever with um she was mean to anyone and everyone had no qualms she the books that she called she would call people up if their dog died and be like, good, I'm glad it happened. You deserve that. <laughs> so just not a good person at all. Mouse also had a step grandfather, like, grandfather. And then like, obviously she, okay. She had a step grandfather. Who's the important one here named, uh, Cottgrave. Grandma was probably abusive towards this man, but he died in like 20.
0: 20- I don't think we need to use the word probably there. <laughs> Definitely.
1: <laughs> she was abusive. Um, <laughs> towards this man and he died like twenty years ago or something. So anyway, Mouse Mouse travels from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, to pondsboro North Carolina and moves into grandma's house while she is cleaning it out. And while she is there, she finds Cotgrave's diary, which is very odd right off the bat. Talks about these white people out in the hills and white as in like they are they are extremely pale like tall gaunt like red eyes like white i guess is the only way to explain it people
0: like bone white um although there is some confusion about that for a little bit because mouse is like wow cockroach's weirdly racist weirdly racist man (laughs) (laughs) yes (laughs) like Um, in this really odd specific way
1: (laughs) (laughs) the the white people from the hills are following him and he decided to marry grandma because she seems to scare the, the white people. The hill people eventually is what they're called. The holler people. Mm-hmm. Scare them away. Uh, no one likes her. Not even, not even
0: the spooky hill people like her. So was the fact that the grandma... Was the grandma just mean and that's why the hill people hated her? Or was it that she had like some sort of quality... Like, I mm-hmm. th- I don't think this is discussed in the book. I'm speculating while they No, yeah, here. it's less vague. Um, because we know that, like, as, as time goes on in this book, it is revealed that the white people have descendants amongst humanity, mm-hmm. um, and they seek out those descendants and want them to return back to Under the Hill, right? Um, yes. So kind of using that logic, if Grandmama was some sort of, like, anti-Hill people thing, would that explain... There was a thing that I that happens to Mouse that I was like, oh, maybe this is. Um, would that explain why Mouse has such like a negative uh, reaction to both Anna and um, the girl in green, the green book? She's like, mm-hmm. eventually she finds. I'm skipping so far ahead. She finds the manuscript of this book that Cotgrave Hat Cotwald Cotgrave Cotgrave Cotgrave. I don't know why I keep thinking his name is Cotwald. <laughs> Caldwell Caldwell. Uh, <laughs> Cockgrave has this this green book that the grandmother takes from him and hides somewhere. Um, But he eventually tries to write down everything he can remember from it, and she finds the manuscript, right? And Mm -hmm. in the manuscript of the Green Book, she's reading about the girl who the Green Book is about, and she's like, man, I fucking hate this girl. Like, it's like... Yeah, yeah. So is she, like, an anti-Hill person, or is is her lineage, like, anti-Hill people in a way that is why the Hill people don't like the grandmother or something? Because, like, it was weird that I don't think that was ever explained. Like, the honest stuff later on makes sense, but, like it's never explained why she hated the narrator so much right yeah
1: yeah that is true i i didn't think of uh mouse's reactions to to those individuals but that would make sense i was like in my mind it was like grandma was so hateful that like she carried that around with her and that didn't allow her to see or accept like paranormal things mm. um but i like your i like your explanation better because then that does make more sense for Mouse and why they rejected her the way that they did.
0: And also that would be a pretty fucked up, me- I mean like the message from this book we can kind of debate when we get to the end of it but mm-hmm. um, might be fucked up anyway but like the, the message from that book, the book then would be if you want to protect yourself from these creatures that are going to try to like forcefully impregnate you, uh-huh, uh-huh. you need to be a raging bitch <laughs> <laughs> just absolutely heinous to everyone around you
1: <laughs> just be yeah yeah because you know femininity is supposed to be like soft and kind mm. and you can't impregnate a you cannot she's not feminine y'all man that's how that works <laughs> uh who knows maybe the maybe the the hill people the effigies are <laughs> super sexist <laughs> um yeah, so so the diary does mention the green book that Em talked about. There is this green book was given to Cotgrave by his old friend Ambrose, and in it is supposed to detail ways to keep the Hill people away. Um as well as, like, tells their origin story and other secrets and stuff. But then, like, we don't really, when we find the manuscript, it's like,
0: okay, but where were the clues about how to keep these people yes. away? Yes, this was not even slightly helpful. You I mean, like, it was helpful that. in the sense of, like, piecing the story together. Yeah. But it was yeah. not like, and then if you want them to leave you alone, just chant three times and throw salt over your shoulder. You know, like, there was none of that.
1: <laughs> make a puppet.
0: <laughs> well, no, don't. Because yeah, that's no good. Don't make, no good. Puppet, don't make puppets. <laughs> And I mean like yeah. the gre- the the white people are very obviously like I mean I'm saying very obviously but I haven't read the book that this is based on but it seems to me that they are based on uh you know Welsh mythology uh mm. f- of fairies. Okay. Well they live under the hill which is like yeah Welsh fairies which interestingly there's this like theory that's pretty widely accepted I think at this point that like in um sort of like mythology of that era with like uh, the, Mabino- the Mabinogian I'm never going to be able to pronounce that book correctly but and that sort of stuff that fairies are basically all dead right like oh, because okay. you, that you've heard of like fae living under the hill right Uh
1: huh. so it's just like undead. what were hills
0: in Wales in ancient Wales
1: I guess I guess graves
0: burial mounds they yeah. have like these big burial mounds that's how they would like lay their dead to rest so if you were going hmm. under the hill you were going into the underworld interesting yeah and there's a lot of stuff in like these sort of old tales where you know people go back and forth between the two worlds and it's like dying basically right
1: oh shit I want to read some like real good like undead fae necromancer shit now
0: I mean it, it the the old myths and stuff are very confusing <laughs> like, Uh, I yeah, understand so. <laughs> but yeah there's there's a lot of kind of like Fairies in that sort of time period um, and area are more associated with, like, death and um, the afterlife and stuff rather than, like, kind of the trickster spirits that were kind of, like, more a little bit later, like, Middle Ages sort of idea. But, yeah, so I definitely felt like the the white people in this were reminiscent of that sort of understanding of fairies. That would make a lot more sense. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Where it was like, oh... I like that. Dead people that live under the earth, but and they're like dead but not dead, you know, sort mm-hmm, of thing. Mm-hmm.
1: The Cockray's diary also repeats the phrase that we that we get throughout the rest of the book. I made faces like the faces on the rocks, and I twisted myself about like the twisted ones, and I lay down flat on the ground like the dead ones.
0: Hey, that's creepy.
1: Yes. Yeah. Those just mouse's exact, like, wow, that's a fucked up
0: thing to write about. His mind must really have been going. <laughs> and like he repeats it in the book in the, yeah. like, diary several times. And he He's says that, like, it, like writing it, away. yeah, writing it down, like, keeps them at bay. Um, and then she starts repeating it in the narration a few times, and it's really unclear, because, like, we know that this narration is all past tense, right? Like Yes, that, yeah, this is
1: something she's writing after the fact.
0: Yes, yeah, so it's not clear to me, and I think it's left intentionally unclear, if in the narration she is, like, Basically saying like at that time I was thinking this or if Mm -hmm. she in the present as the narrator is thinking this is including it. Yeah. yeah, Like if it's like this is still affecting her even now. Right. That she's still having this intrusive like repeated phrase. Right. Just sometimes, like a problem I have with frame stories, because I'm like, this is real intricate for <laughs> you recalling it.
1: So you know, um, but yeah, that is that is an interesting layer to add to it. Like, is it just unintentionally slipping into her writing still? Mm-hmm. I mean, I would imagine that because she does. Look at the end of the book, she's like, I'm so like paranoid and anxious. I can never leave home without my like protective hickory and other charms and stuff. So anyway. Yeah, Mouse goes through some stuff. (laughs) Um, Cotgrave also mentions in his diary that, like we said, he typed up a manuscript, contained his recollections of the Green Book as best he could remember them. But mean old grandma hid it. She just took it from him and hid it. And then she, like, would never let this man sleep. (laughs) I don't know what the sleeping thing was about. Like, why would... Surely she had to sleep at some point.
0: Yeah, and this is... I feel like there is something mythologically, I might be reaching here, but I feel like there's something mythologically based here about the grandma because it, she's, like... It
1: felt very um, deliberate. Yes, like, yeah. she's
0: not letting him sleep. She takes the green book, which kind of implies that she knows what it is because she's not, like, right. taking his journal or anything. Um, and also, she ha- there's that line um, that she says to Mouse, like, when Mouse is remembering, like, her childhood or something, um, where she, like says something about her being a dirty Catholic or something. Mm, So mm -hmm. I was, I was like trying to think like what if maybe she's some sort of like, if, if I'm assuming that these, you know, these creatures are fae of some sort, if maybe she's supposed to be like some pre Christian lineage that like, Mm, opposes mm-hmm. the fae i don't know but i was like yeah. that's such a weirdly specific thing and mouse even is like that was so weird like it's not like we went to church a lot or <laughs> anything like that a practicing. I, yeah. I wasn't a practicing catholic like so yeah it's very unclear exactly what is up with the grandma
1: <laughs> yeah i i was kind of holding out hope that it was like grandma knew about the shit that was going down and she was mean to everybody to keep them away yeah but that was also not no the case. she was she's just, just a mean. <laughs> So spooky things seem to happen to Mouse as she's cleaning out her grandma's house. She hears, like, this tap-tap-tapping sound out in the woods. It's very, like, arrhythmic. It doesn't follow any patterns whatsoever. She's like, must be a weird woodpecker. It's not. (laughs) Uh, Bongo wakes up barking and growling in the middle of the night. Um, And there's also this giant-ass rock in Grandma's yard that's real creepy. Like, some kind of abstract animal carving. Mouse says it's, like, kind of like a deer, but... It gives her and the dog bad vibes. They hate it. The dog is growling at it, doesn't want to go
0: near it, and Mouse is like, ew. (laughs)
1: Which
0: is also why I'm like, well, I guess later Foxy has kind of a similar reaction to the Stones. But I was Mm going to say, like, you know, also I was like, maybe she's supposed to be from some sort of, like, anti-white people. (laughs) (laughs) She's the terrorist known as Antifa. (laughs) She's (laughs) Antifa. You know, anti-fairy. <laughs>
1: yeah, of course. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, there's, there's the room full of gross porcelain dolls and those baby reborn things. And also, Mouse's cell phone doesn't work, which is very convenient for the story. Like, she gets no signal at the house. Um, but there's also been a software update that causes the phone to overheat and the battery to discharge rapidly. So she just has a brick. Nothing. She's got a landline. Yeah, Mouse's dad has to reconnect the landline. He calls her and is like, hey, if the house is super bad, I'll call a contractor and have it bulldozed. And Mouse is like, no, it's fine. I'll clean it. But really, she just wants to find the green book and she's invested now.
0: Well, and also there's this weird, because this is like a through line in the book, that like Nobby and her family asks for help. Mm-hmm. But if you do ask for help, like, you have to do it, right? Yeah. Because her father. Just because no one ever asks. Right. So, yeah. so her father, like, asks her for help. So she's like, I have to do this because he asked me for help. And her father's even like, what if I rescind my my request I for you un-ask. to help? <laughs> right. And I feel like this is an important thing because of what happens with the, the yes. effigy at the end of the book. Yes. And why I say um, that the moral of this story might be slightly fucked up, because <laughs> I think the moral of this story is, don't don't help when people Don't help ask anybody you, ever. Do not don't help. Do it.
1: <laughs> uh, so one day, Mouse goes to take Bongo out for a walk, and he drags her through the woods past a dry stream bed, through a sort of like natural tree tunnel situation where the trees have grown up straight, and they kind of like over, over they overlock, they lock over. Overlock? You know the branches, they connect. That's yeah. how they grew into a tunnel they walk forever and they start going uphill which is unusual because mouse is like my grandma doesn't live in a particularly hilly area when they finally get through the tree tunnel they emerge onto a bald which i guess is a mountain where trees don't grow but no one knows why trees don't grow there like it's not above the tree line it's just a bald rock (laughs) also this should be geographically impossible because she is nowhere near the mountains (laughs) um they wander around a little bit and see a bunch of rock carving similar to the one in Mouse's grandma's yard. Um, but I think all kinds of different scenarios, like um, scenes
0: and animals and people all doing different things, making faces that seem impossible. And twisted and dying. Twisted ones. Like the yes. the thing, that, the the phrase that was, <laughs> gets repeated, like, you get it now? This is, yeah. This is what that I was. Made
1: faces like the faces on the rocks, and I twisted myself about, like, the twisted ones. Uh, there's a giant monolith thing that Mouse feels strangely drawn towards. But she can't get too close to it because Bongo refuses to go near it. So at first she's like real pissed off and then she kind of comes to her senses and she's like, oh no, sorry, I yelled at you, Bongo. You're a good dog. And they, they leave the monolith. But then she goes over to one of the faces in the stone and tries to like imitate the face that the stone is making. And she, like her face begins to get stuck that way. So I, the... The carving is someone like opening their mouth impossibly wide, and Mouse starts doing that. I picture it because I think it says like reaching to its ears. So yeah, like, it's got like Joker style. Yes, yeah, so
0: I think it's like wide like horizontally rather than like oh. vertically. I'm I not sure it though. I like could be. Mm, I could have been misreading be, it. it.
1: Maybe it's both like a like a like, like a big old do. square
0: or yeah. how I do. Oh. Huh.
1: Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> so that's how you always look. Yeah. <laughs> But Mouse has to, like, physically, like, take her hand and shove her jaw shut with a lot of force in order to stop. Oops, sorry, I hit my mic. In order to stop making this face.
0: I used to have to do that in uh, choir sometimes because I my jaw dislocates by itself. Oh, goodness. Um, so it doesn't hurt or anything. Um, so sometimes in choir I'd have to, like, pop it back up. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Just a fun fact.
1: It is. <laughs>
0: You hold in his oath for a while and it just pops out and you gotta
1: flip it back Oops, into place. So, let me just... <laughs> so just some notes for that, for that shuffleware wiki that I'm sure we have out there. <laughs> uh, um Mouse puts together this is the place that Cotgrave was writing about in his diary. She decides time to go home. They book it she and the dog book at home after this terrifying series of events waiting for her at home is her grandma's closest neighbor not closest friend because grandma didn't have those in fact grandma hated this neighbor um foxy she lives at on a commune with tomas and
0: skip not think They call it a commune but i always thought a commune was like a lot of people i did too <laughs> i was gonna say like what kind of commune do you think this was like they only had three
1: people like it kind of tomas did not seem like a stereotypical like I'm going to go to a hippie commune and live off the land situation. Yeah. So. Like, I think maybe it's just like a duplex or something,
0: <laughs> right? Like, it was like Tomas owned like a, a couple apartments and was running one out. And grandma's yeah. like, that commune. That commune over there. <laughs> to any group of people, more than two, must be a commune.
1: <laughs> um, Mouse becomes friends with these three, is often over there for dinner and socializing. And they are important because they also live out in these woods and believe Mouse when she says weird shit is going down. Which is good for mouse
0: they also have like kind of this vibe in this town in general where everyone like once mouse is kind of like this is what's happening it's so weird and like foxy's like oh shit you didn't know about the woods people <laughs> no, like everybody around here knows about the woods yeah, people we, we just don't talk you about if it you
1: thought, <laughs> if we didn't know your granny hadn't told you
0: <laughs> my bad which i like instead of it being like here is a thing that is happening and no one has ever heard of it just kind of yeah. the vibe of like It's creepy stuff that happens and we all kind of try to ignore it. You know, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that's that's very scary to be like. I agree. Yeah, yeah, it's just kind of there and we try not to talk about it too much. How (laughs) come
1: you're not protecting yourself? (laughs) Uh, Mouse has a dream that night about the monolith she saw on the bald and like kind of being drawn towards it again. And then Bongo wakes her up with his barking, and and uh, the Mouse looks out the window, and there's just some deer running out in the yard, but one of them is running real weird. Like, she thinks there's something must be wrong with its foot or its back, because it's kind of, like, limping along. And then a week or so passes. Mouse clean, she looks for the green book, whatever. Next big incident. Mouse takes Bongo out on a walk in the woods behind her grandma's house, and all is well and fine until Mouse stumbles across what she thinks is an effigy hung from a tree, and it's actually a deer's body. Uh, completely split open from the ribcage down. There's nothing in there. Regular head is gone and replaced by its skull, but the skull is upside down. And then stones are tied up inside the ribcage, and they clack together in the wind. Spooky. Don't love it. Don't love it at all. Uh, Mouse and Bongo, both terrified, they run home, get in the truck, drive back to Civilization. She cries in the parking lot of a Piggly Wiggly until, like, the <laughs> coffee shop barista sees her, takes her in. Uh, Mouse reports the incident to the police, and police officer Bob comes out and looks around, but they never find the effigy again. And the officer is like, well, maybe, maybe we just can't, like, maybe you got turned around. So, don't worry about it. We'll find it. Maybe.
0: That's another thing I like about this book is the like because I feel like so often in horror movies and this even it even kind of lampshades it in this book that there's kind of the like why don't you fucking leave when things started to get creepy but there's Mm -hmm. so much like people rationalizing and trying to be like Oh, well, you know, like maybe kids, like maybe kids being weird, like kids are weird sometimes. Like it probably didn't get up and move around. You probably just got lost because you were scared like last time. And there's like it's done really well, I think, where it's like, yeah, you would kind of be like, okay, I'm I'm overreacting. Right.
1: Yes. Yeah. And I think Mouse, too, says like several times in the book, she's like, I'm telling you all this. So you don't think that like I'm I am like stupid for not leaving like mm. things were relatively normal and she says that in the book like here's all the things i did that were normal and it felt fine it was just one or two creepy incidents so right yeah yeah i it, it was it felt i you were not ever screaming at her to be like please just leave who cares who fucking yeah. cares mm. um that night bongo wakes mouse up again with his barking and uh mouse looks out the window she sees the deer running again the third one running oddly. She doesn't put two and two together that night, but the next night, Bongo is growling. And when Mouse opens her eyes to look out the window, she sees like this white face staring back at her, and it is the skull of the effigy. And she hears the tap tapping sound and realizes that it is not a woodpecker. It is stones tied up in the thing's ribcage like hitting each other in the ribs and stuff awful fucking awful it's just (laughs) looking at her it's just looking at her in the window and she's not moving because she in her mind is like if i move the thing will kill me uh if it thinks i'm sleeping it's not gonna hurt me because people bad things don't happen to people who are sleeping (laughs) (laughs) the monsters can't get me if i'm sleeping so i just have to lay here and like pretend everything is fine
0: here if i just lay (laughs) here would you, would you not stop eat looking at me? <laughs> me and just go the fuck away? <laughs>
1: oh snow patrol is
0: really about the white people. <laughs> I mean yes but not in that way <laughs>
1: <laughs> Oh my god I used to I love snow patrol like eighth grade <laughs> <laughs> like 2003 whenever that was. Mouse waits until the thing, the effigy disappears. And then she takes Bongo and they go hide in the closet the rest of the night. The next day, Mouse is like, I'm leaving. I'm fucking leaving. She's getting ready to get in the truck, has the dog. She's like, I got my laptop. I got my dog. My clothes can be replaced. I don't fucking care about anything else. We're leaving.
0: Good. Yes.
1: Excellent. Very good plan. She goes out onto the porch, slips on a bone. And as she's falling, loses her grip on the leash, and Bongo darts off into the woods. And Bongo's like, goodbye! Mouse calls out them. Yeah, <laughs> Bongo's like, I got shit to do before we leave! <laughs> Mouse has a little breakdown because she realizes, I can't leave until either I find my dog or evidence that the dog will not be coming back to me. The dog is the only thing I love in this world. Must, must find dog. Foxy comes over in the middle of Mouse's panicking, and Mouse tells her the whole story. And Foxy believes her, telling Mouse about, like, a few of the weird things that have happened to her in the woods, like the pig corpse that she had to run over with a lawnmower and some other thing that her dad lit on fire or something. She's like, yeah, that shit happens in the woods. Everyone knows these things happen, probably including that police officer you're out looking for the effigy with. Like, I'm sure he knew what you were referencing. We just don't talk about it because it sounds weird when we
0: say it all out loud.
1: So yeah sorry no one told you um.
0: I think this is also a thing like r- again I don't know if this was the intention but there is kind of like a thing rooted in a lot of uh, early beliefs few different systems but like the thing about like you don't talk about a thing because then it yeah, draws its attention it. right mm-hmm. um, so I think there's also a little of this maybe at play of like people being like yeah we all know it's going on but like but you leave them alone suspicious. and you they don't bother you you know
1: yes yeah Yeah, I feel like especially like, I think this is a little bit too far south, but like very Appalachian Mm -hmm. vibes. So that evening, Mouse is like, or that day, later that day, it's not quite nighttime. She's like, I can't sleep in any rooms that have windows and I can't leave the house to sleep somewhere else because if Bongo shows up in the middle of the night and I can't let him in, then the deer is probably going to eat him. So she moves the mattress into the bathroom to sleep. And under the mattress she finds Cotgrave's typewritten manuscript that details his memories of what was in the green book.
0: Girl, you didn't look under the mattresses. That's like number one. <laughs> First place. What to are you look. doing? This was the no, only thing that like, I was like.
1: Abusive grandma also didn't look there, so I'm yeah. in the family. I don't know.
0: Which again might just point to the fact that maybe abusive grandma didn't really give a shit what Cotgrave was doing. Yeah. She just she knew just something to take away the thing he yeah. Did. yeah, 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 yeah. Or like knew something was up with the green book, like i don't know but
1: yeah yeah gave off gave off weird vibes she didn't like it just like just like what's her name didn't like it exactly also grandma Mm -hmm.
0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: so mouse begins reading it and basically it tells the story of a young girl who found the hill people talks about like the weird creepy shit that she's doing with them like there's something about her nurse possibly being involved in this scenario like doing these secret magical um Oh, my God. What are they called? Rituals. Secret yeah. magic rituals and, like, being like, now keep the secret from everybody, which Mouse is rightfully like, fucking weird. I'm calling CPS. <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's all it's all written very confusingly because the way it's described is this is Cotgrave's typewritten manuscript, but he's also made, like, notes in the margins and stuff. And the way it's written is, is like, one big block of italicized text, so it's not... We don't really know what part is like addendums and what part is the actual typewritten stuff. And it all gets it switches from like the first person because because Cotgrave cause, uh, has some of it memorized. So sometimes it's the first person from the girl's perspective and other times the first person is him. But the switches aren't always obvious. So There
0: is a slight difference in italics, though, because there's the Cotgrave stuff is like less italicized than the girls like the stuff that he's like, this is from oh, the book. Yeah. I
1: don't think my copy had that. I was well, reading an ebook. I was, was also
0: reading an ebook.
1: I was on an um um, um um Scribd. Oh yeah so, no. And I and I think I have formatting set up so that it's different from what the publisher intended. So I missed that. In
0: the correct version, oh my God. it is a little <laughs> bit more clear because okay. Cotgrave has like slightly larger, I think, print that's still in italics. And then hers is like down a size or something like that. So it is clear that there is a difference between the uh, two. It still wow. blends a little bit, but not as much as I think it would if that wasn't the case. So seems yes. like, yes, that would be extra confusing. <laughs> Mine is
1: just one big italicized block.
0: Um, my bad.
1: <laughs> 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 but like I said, this this part is based off completely the white people, which is the short story by Arthur Machen. Machen. Machin- Machen? Mm. mm. Um, and anyway, the 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 gist, the takeaway from this is that the girl gets involved with magic, sees a stone carving of some weird creatures fucking, gets pregnant by the stone, and then dies. Or at least that is what that
0: is what Mouse infers and Foxy as well. Ambrose was like, She definitely got pregnant by this stone. And then yeah. Khaka was and like then mm. killed herself out of shame. Hmm. And then both Foxy and mouse are like maybe she was just fucking people. Like <laughs> the stone made her
1: horny so she found a man to fuck. Yeah. Yes. Uh which would be <laughs> the realistic option, yes. <laughs> there was someone <laughs> a human there to help impregnate her. Um but yeah, she's found dead. Um And as, as Mouse is reading this story, Foxy comes over and she's like, I'm going to stay the night so that you have company or is the way she phrases. It's like, it's not polite to let someone get eaten on their own or something like that. Um, and Mouse also has her read the manuscript and, and Foxy Tomas and Skip all eventually end up spending the next few nights at Mouse's house as they wait for Bongo to return. And every night the deer effigy returns, taps at all the windows, doesn't try to force its way in, but is very persistent in its tapping. Um, it knows people are in there, it wants in, but it's not going to force its way in. Weird, weird boundary to set, but okay. Well,
0: <laughs> oh, they they hypothesize that it might be a yeah. thing about like um kind of the vampire rules of you can't come in if you're not invited, which mm-hmm. maybe, I don't know. <laughs> mm.
1: I think I kind of, I like where they land on at the end. Yes, like, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll talk about
0: it. But it. at the time, they're like, eh, maybe it's, just, it's yeah. just not allowed to come in without an invite. <laughs> you should invite it in.
1: <laughs> Open the door.
0: You got to send it an evite first. Um, it's got an RSVP. And then. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Do a background check. <laughs> Finally, one day, Bongo does come back. Mouse is desperately happy. And it's, again, like, I'm going to leave. I've got my dog. I've got my laptop. Going to get in this truck and leave. But then she notices that someone has attached a note to Bongo's collar. And it says, Help on one side and on the other side is that drawing of Kilroy. Kilroy was here, which is something that Mouse learned from her step-grandfather. So she is kind of half the belief. Cotgrave is the one who wrote this message to her. Kind of also thinking someone Cotgrave also taught this to is asking me for help. Either way, someone is specifically asking me for help because they've attached a note to Bongo's Mm collar. So I have to help. She goes to tell Foxy, um, "I'm going out in the woods. Got to help whoever sent this message." And Foxy's like, "I'll go with you." She's like, "Well, no. I just I was gonna tell you so that you could call people in the event that I did not return." And Foxy's like, "No, I've got
0: a gun and sandwiches. I'm coming with you." <laughs> and Tomas is like, "I'm coming too." And everyone's like, "No." Tomas, you can't because everything is in your name. And if you die, then
1: we'll get kicked
0: out. I think actually what the vibe was that they were like, Tomas, you cannot go on our lesbian road trip with us. I'm sorry.
1: Actually, Tomas, you would totally ruin the vibe.
0: Vibe check. Mm, Sorry, Tomas. No. (laughs) Go lift some microwave somewhere. (laughs) I I should be clear that there is no in-canon evidence that either of these characters are actually queer, but I was shipping them. So it's fine. (laughs)
1: I I liked Mouse and the uh, barista, but the barista ended up not being a character at all, really. Yeah, she's just kind of there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, The two of them, with Bongo's help, find their way back to the ball that has all the creepy rocks on it. And Foxy says she felt like there was some kind of magic that was trying to force her away or trying to exclude her from crossing whatever paranormal barrier there was. But she manages to stay with Mouse by holding on really tight to Mouse's backpack strap. And while wandering around the rocks, they kind of go towards the monolith and they find they find the weird rock that the Green Book described as, like, the fucking rock, whatever. Um, and, the and fucking they met, rock. <laughs> and there they meet up with a tall, pale woman named Anna. And she is accompanied by a bunch of effigies. They're all, like, a weird assortment of animal bodies and bones and, like, shovels and other nature things, like... Like there was some, uh, mud dauber nests was the, was the big
0: guy. And I don't know, like branches, I uh, lots of outdoorsy shit. And also like some man-made stuff like tires and. Yes. M- but gun casing or uh, bullet casings, I think was mentioned at one point. Yeah.
1: Things you, things you would see discarded in the woods mm-hmm. is the theme. Yes. The Met Gala theme this year. is <laughs>
0: Roadside trash.
1: <laughs> Forest trash. <laughs> Uh, and then there's another tall, pale man there named Uriah, and he doesn't talk very much, and he's very old. Um, Anna takes Foxy and Mouse into custody and says that the effigies need to discuss their fate, and she leaves them in a jail cell. And they are, they ruminate there for a couple hours. The dog is with them still. No one separated the dog from them, which is good. Then Anna returns, and she reveals to Foxy and Mouse that she was the one who wrote the message saying she wants to escape the effigies have kept her because she was able to get pregnant she is she is uh, descendant of the hill people or the fae or whoever um and i don't know it, is it was it the stone that got her pregnant or was it uriah I unclear
0: unclear very unclear. um both horrific oh, absolutely place. Yes. But she had to replace another girl who was there, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there was a different descendant of the Hill people there that they were using for this purpose. And then she brought this girl in. And in the, was it the 70s? Yeah, 1973. Yeah. Um, So she has been there ever since unaging and having to produce children to various effects. And she says, you know, only two of them have, uh, resulted in a full term pregnancy. The other three were miscarriages.
1: Mm, five. There were seven of them. All oh, together. I
0: thought there were five with two and three.
1: Yeah, five. Five were stillborn and two lived. But she doesn't want to talk about them because, as it turns out later in the book, they were actually turned into effigies. I guess. I guess they didn't have enough.
0: They weren't good enough.
1: People. I don't know. uh But they. They actually. Yeah. They were turned into the effigies of which are her personal guard. Um, and they die which is sad anyway and she can no longer get pregnant now unclear as to why she'd be well past menopause i would think <laughs> um, so i don't think it's that but um yeah so she's like this is hell i live here only uriah to talk to you, and he's old and doesn't say much and is very confused about everything and every everything else is bones so I get everything's
0: to bones <laughs> everything
1: is bones <laughs> Um, it is pretty clear to Mouse and Foxy that Anna, Anna was it's spelled the same way, it's pronounced different. Anna is trying to exchange herself for Mouse, so it's kind of a trap. Uh, she wants, she wants to be like, look, haha, I found someone to replace me. Bye. I don't think they figure that out until like way later. Mouse has her suspicions, and then yeah, but then it's later when she's like holding her hostage
0: because she's like, this is a betrayal. But I kind yeah. of knew it, but also <laughs> was now <laughs> well, confirmed damn girl <laughs> um, mouse
1: doesn't feel like she's going to work for Anna's plan because she she she's related to her grandmother who seemed to repel these people so she's like there's no way I can be a descendant because y'all hate my grandma so much
0: yeah and Anna was like oh she's a descendant of Cotgrave because she knew Cotgrave and he taught her the Kilroy and thing he was a descendant yeah and he was a descendant because he had had a similar incident in Wales so she when when uh, Mouse showed up, she's probably like, ha descendant of Cockgrave, right? But then she's mm-hmm. like, no, sorry, Cockgrave's my step-granddad. I'm not even slightly related to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> and Anna's like, <laughs> fuck! Anna's like, fucking Christ.
1: Which, like, you know, it's a
0: really mean, nasty plan, but I would also be very pissed. <laughs> I mean, I don't know that I would do the same thing that Anna does. I feel like... Uh, I probably wouldn't have made it as long as Anna did in this it's situation. Same. Um, same. So I don't know. I don't know if I would get to the point where I became uh, desperate enough to try to throw someone else under the bus. But hard to say. Hard to say <laughs> until you get captured by hill people. You know.
1: Uh, anyway, they they have to go to this building where the effigies build other effigies uh, to hear what is going to happen. So so the effigies were created to behave as servants towards the the hill people, but for whatever reason the hill people have died off there are only anna and uriah left and so they still like they create themselves for the purpose of being servants but there's no one to serve and they've kind of become a little autonomous um and now want to want to create as many hill people as they can i guess
0: and there's like the because that's a big reveal when they're going toward the building because uh mouse has been like okay well who's fucking building the effigies who's is it you or uriah everything. like one of you guys yeah. if there's no other hill people like it's got to be one of you guys and then they go to the building and it's like haha no they're doing it themselves and it's a very creepy scene
1: <laughs> yes yeah because they go inside it's like um mouse is like the, the floor is a weird texture and it turns out that they go inside a wasp nest basically like a Mm. giant wasp nest and there's all these like effigies hanging from the ceiling that haven't been activated yet or maybe they're sleeping i don't know uh they are later activated and i'll start
0: running after them but and there's just piles of trash that everybody's collected and brought here to make more effigies out of Mm
1: -hmm. Mm -hmm. so nasty um the effigies are like well okay mouse cannot have She's not one of us and Foxy is too old, so I guess we'll just use them and, for parts. And the dog off. is a dog. <laughs> and the dog is a dog, obviously. We will use that we will use their bones to make more effigies since we can't make baby hill people. Cool meeting. <laughs> Anna is like, all right, taking you back to your jail cell now, wink. But instead she gets like a piece of rebar and shoves it through Uriah's chest and is like, this will hold them off because they'll have to stop to pay their respects to dead Uriah. Let's run. <laughs> um, <laughs> and they run back down the hill, but it's a long fucking way. Foxy is like shooting her gun, taking them down. Um, and there are hundreds of these things chasing them. And then they're about to get to the natural tree tunnel or whatever. Um, but they're surrounded. And Anna grabs Mouse and is like, Take her instead of me and tries to barter uh the situation. But Mouse is able to get away with the help of Bongo, tripping her. Foxy um it's not like explicitly stated, but you can infer. Foxy shoots Anna to put her out of her misery or whatever. And well, Foxy um, and,
0: also to help them get away, right? Because they have away. to yes, stop and mourn. Very <laughs> devoted.
1: Yes. Uh and the two of them run back to the house. And they think they're safe. But when they get to the house, the front door is open. Awaiting them is the original deer effigy, who Mouse now reasons must be made of parts of Cotgrave.
0: There's like stuff earlier in the book where they're talking about um, like his like how Cotgrave died, right? And he was like mm-hmm. wandering out in the woods and died of exposure. And mm-hmm. they the casket was like they had to have a closed casket because the scavengers had got to them. And this part was just so creepy and gross to me because like yeah, she was like, Absolutely. oh yeah, the scavengers got to him, <laughs> all right. <like.
1: laughs> she's putting oh, together. Oh Like those are my grandpa's bones. <laughs> <laughs> my bones. <laughs> Uh, even worse, while they were gone, Codgrave entered the house and made an effigy out of the creepy dolls in grandma's house.
0: So now there's two of them. I thought that he did that earlier because um, we stole the doll parts. He stole but... them from the truck because she was like, oh, I thought I put the dolls out in the truck last night. I must have forgotten. Mm-hmm. And like he took them out of the truck and was making making yes. doll effigies. But he'd, like, he'd come back in for like the typewriter pieces yeah. and like a few things.
1: So he he'd like finished making her essentially in the house um and the two of them together chase foxy and mouse around for a while um but then mouse finally is like fuck this house i don't know what i'm trying to save it for give me your lighter foxy and she lights stacks of newspaper on fire because of course grandma's a hoarder she has stacks of newspaper uh the house just goes up and um foxy the three of them foxy mouse and bingo bongo whatever the fuck its name is bingo Bobo bongo is his name oh <laughs> they're like up on uh, a porch on the top floor and they're like quick we're gonna jump to the car what are you doing and and mouse is like i have to wait and see make sure these effigies catch fire because i'm not gonna be out here with this house destroyed but the effigy's still running around so she waits until the last possible minute and she jumps and she gets on the truck and they fucking book it um they get away mouse calls her dad she's like destroy that piece of shit Bulldoze it down. I don't need to find the green book. I don't need to think about this ever again. Bulldoze it. They get rid of the rock somehow. She doesn't know who did it. Like, she doesn't know if the rock was taken away by the effigies or if the bulldozer got to it or what. Um, The rock is destroyed. She's super traumatized by the events of what happened. Um, But she's like, can't go to a therapist because who would believe me? I'm not paying $60 an hour to lie to somebody. So Relatable. Yeah. (laughs) guess i just have to live here in pittsburgh with my dog with my hickory beads and rosary and try and live life the best i can the end the end very uplifting ending huh oh very realistic though like
0: honestly and i mean it's a, it's uh, a horror book you can't have it i too happy book. true
1: very true she lives in a big city now no trees
0: there you go. Some hills, though. There you go. Which I there was very confused as to why Cotgrave, like, I get he married the grandma to, like, try to get rid of, to, like, be away from the hill people. But it's like, if you know they're hill people that live in hills, like, literally, <laughs> why, why, you why did you marry this area? woman and live out here in the countryside? Go to fucking New York. Like, what are you doing? Like, I hill know. people gonna get me, but I'm in a skyscraper? I don't fucking think so. Ain't gonna be no fucking deer staring outside my house. What are you going to do? Build a fucking goose effigy? I'd like to see you try.
1: (laughs) Pigeons, little pigeon skeletons running around.
0: You're going to strap a shovel to that thing for a head and it's not going to be airborne any fucking more.
1: (laughs) (laughs) There did seem to be a very clear, easy solution to Cockgrave's problem. That wasn't marrying a heinous woman. But,
0: But, you know, we can't judge the dead. (laughs) (laughs) I am. (laughs) Uh, Uh, but yeah it was a good book yeah it was good it was creepy it was very spooky um it didn't have a lot of the pitfalls of uh horror stuff such as characters just being incredibly stupid to get the plot to go a place right (laughs) um and i thought but i i am curious about what we are supposed to take away from this as a message. <laughs> Not that, you know, all books have to have messages. But it does seem very much like the moral of this story is like, if someone asks you for help, don't. Don't. <laughs> Cottgrave, like, her desire to help him, nope, bad. Her dad asking her for help, she's like, nope, that was no. that was dumb and bad. Shouldn't have done that. <laughs> Ruined my um, life. Anna, <laughs> Anna asking for help and her being like, I got to do it because she asked. No, you shouldn't have. You should have stayed home. Uh, yep, it just seems yep. like, in general, the moral is mind your business and don't get involved. <laughs> <laughs> True. Uh,
1: especially once creepy stuff starts happening. Yeah. I don't. Mm, I don't. I think. I think I depart with Mouse at the point where she saw the help message, and like to me, that is a creepy taunt. That is not. That is not a cry for help. That is someone like trying to trick you. That is where I was like, our paths diverge.
0: (laughs) I I think that the Kilroy thing, though, I was like, yeah, I do get it. Especially because, like, it it does a good job of going into her backstory and being like, her grandmother was a heinous bitch to her. The one time she, like, stayed with her grandmother, right after her mother's death, she was incredibly mean to her. And Cockgrave was, like, the only person who was even somewhat nice to her, right? Mm -hmm, And mm -hmm. then... She grows up. She like Cockrave dies. She finds out years later that he was in this abusive relationship that no one around him was willing to help him get out of, um, or knew about. It seems like you know, and uh, he was just left to suffer in this situation. And it's like, okay, yeah, I I can see how you would kind of imprint on that need to assist him or anybody who might be kind of under his auspices right like of like mm-hmm. oh they sent this kilroy message he, they got it they have to know him right um but i feel like i probably would have noped out way sooner so i don't think i would have gotten like i feel like that might yeah. have gotten me because there's like the moral dilemma but i think i probably would have been like weird stones in the woods no thank you i'm good i'm done you can bulldoze it goodbye <laughs> I would have opened the front door and closed it and be like, "Dad, no, we got to bulldoze it." There are dolls in this house. <laughs> Absolutely not. We're not doing this. It did give me like severe flashbacks to my own grandmother and how she used to get me a Madame Alexander doll every Christmas, which like no. is not a doll any child really particularly wants.
1: <laughs> no. I don't know who those are for. For old women um, who like collecting women. dolls. Yes. I I had a porcelain doll in my room as a child um probably like five or six this is like the first horrific thing I can I remember um I used to have recurring nightmares about that doll Mm -mm. and in the nightmare I would say I'm sleeping I can just wake up but then the doll in my dream would staple my eyelids shut so I couldn't wake up and that was part of the dream narrative was me realizing it was a dream and then realizing I was stuck in the dream
0: (laughs) oh no that's awful
1: Oh, and it had like this pink, like crochet dress. It was so Ugh. nasty. I hate that thing. Anyway, doll suck. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, that that brings us to the end. The end of this unit. No We've more. We've done it. No more wow. psychological horror. Some would argue, not very much psychological horror in the first place. <laughs> But, hey, it was scary. It was a scary ride.
1: Yes. And, you know, it's, again, it's hard to
0: tell. Yes. The
1: main page genres on Goodreads said thriller, and mm-hmm. it started out that way. So, you know, some points. Partial partial credit.
0: Oh, I, I'm giving you full credit for this one because it was really fucking yes. creepy. It just, you know, wasn't really psychological horror. But that's yeah. fine. It was that's super fine. fucking creepy. Yeah, we have some other fun stuff coming up specifically next week. We will be... Mm-hmm here in your ears with a morph monday with animorphs number 51 the absolute then the week after that we're going to be continuing our mlm or mm paranormal romance series that is our current submitted series um, from our friend kate over at all the good dogs um, with a book called the demons in the details by megan maslow Mm Hmm. Super excited. Very excited for that.
1: In the meantime, if you have any books you think we should cover for the podcast, either because you think we would love them or hate them, you can tweet at us at ShelfAwareCast or email us ShelfAwareCast at gmail.com. As always, thank you to Ben Cope for the use of our theme song. You can check out his YouTube channel in our show notes below. We are also on all of your favorite podcast aggregating platforms. So if you haven't followed or subscribed to us on one of those, you definitely should. Um, or else I will send my effigy made of bones to tap on your windows every night. No. If you use Apple Podcast <laughs> if you use Apple Podcasts, we'd very much appreciate a five-star review, but if you don't, that's all right, because you were allowed to talk about us anywhere on the internet. You like.
0: In the words of T. Kingfisher, I made faces like the faces on the rocks, and I twisted myself about like the <sighs> twisted ones, and I lay down flat on the ground like the dead ones.
1: Oh my god. <laughs> that's the only thing I think anymore. <laughs> or else we will <laughs> we'll send Tommy to Tati to your that doesn't work they don't know about Tommy to I know <laughs>